Welcome to the QI Chatroom. I'm your host, Kelly Bond. This podcast is brought to you by Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We're a network of community health centers and a wellness education site throughout Marin, Napa, Sonoma, and Yolo counties. We formed in 1994 with a mission of improving access to and the quality of care provided for underserved and uninsured people. This podcast is all about quality improvement, or QI, in healthcare. We'll bring you speakers from our member health centers, outside health centers, county and federal agencies, healthcare plans, and more. Those speakers will discuss promising practices they've identified at health centers, the latest data on specific health topics, and engage in conversation with our live audience. We've been hosting these chat rooms since late 2018 and transitioned to the podcast format in the fall of 2019 to reach a greater range of listeners. We hope you'll join us as we share the latest in quality improvement with you. Last week was Food Champion Week at RCHC. We hosted a Food Champion Roundtable event and taped two podcast episodes related to food and nutrition. This is one of the podcast episodes and features Dr. Stephen Chen, Chief Medical Officer of All In Alameda County, and Jessica Jamison, MPH, Director of Patient and Community Engagement of Tiburcio Vasquez Health Center. They discuss their many food initiatives, including food as medicine. All In expanded its food as medicine to Tiburcio Vasquez Health Center in February 2020. Tiburcio is a primary care clinic in San Leandro, serving the Ashland and Cherryland districts. This partnership builds upon prior success as food as medicine at Hayward Wellness, part of Alameda Health System. Food as medicine provides an integrative model for healthcare that addresses the social determinants of health and chronic disease. This model shifts medical practices by giving healthcare providers in Alameda County's network of community-based health clinics the tools, training, and infrastructure they need to utilize healthy food interventions in combination with group behavioral support to improve health, socio-emotional well-being, and food security for Alameda County residents. Jessica Jamison is an accomplished and performance-driven public health leader equipped with a strong professional foundation in quality improvement, data analytics, and health systems management. Ms. Jamison earned a Bachelor of Science in Health Education from California State University, Sacramento, followed by a Master of Public Health from San Diego State University. Ms. Jamison joined Tiburcio as the organization's Director of Clinical Quality in June 2018. In that capacity, she managed the planning and execution of all clinical quality, assurance, and improvement activities and programs. Prior to joining Tiburcio, she was employed for 17 years by the American Cancer Society. Ms. Jamison serves on the board of directors for the California Colorectal Cancer Coalition, California Dialogue on Cancer Executive Committee, and is also an active volunteer with American Indian Alaska Native Healthy Native Community Partnership. Dr. Stephen Chen is the Chief Medical Officer of All In Alameda County, where he brings an integrative health equity lens to All In's work on poverty. His areas of expertise include integrative medicine, health equity, 
and innovative models of care that address social determinants of health and improve health outcomes. To this end, he is leading the scale and spread of a food as medicine initiative across Alameda County health clinics, health systems, and food systems. He is also involved in policy efforts to make medically supportive food a covered health insurance benefit. A graduate of Stanford University and Stanford School of Medicine, Dr. Chen is a board-certified family medicine physician who completed his residency training at UCSF San Francisco General Hospital. Dr. Chen's commitments to a more just and inclusive world is informed by his experiences as a son of immigrants and a second-generation Taiwanese-American. I will turn it over to Dr. Chen to tell us about their food as medicine work. Thanks so much, Kelly. It's great to see everyone this morning. I see some, I, I recognize some faces here, so it's, it's fun to see uh, folks and reconnect in, in this level. Um, I really want to share about uh, this work that we're doing. We're, we're terming it Food is Medicine, and we're trying to spread and scale this across all the FQs, all the FQHCs in Alameda County. And the project is simply this. Um, I'm going to describe it as a sandwich, and with that we are building infrastructure and attaching infrastructure at each clinic. And this sandwich is the infrastructure and the sandwich is three parts. And so imagine each clinic uh, developing with us this sandwich that serves their patients and serves their staff. And so given, given that we are food is medicine, I thought a sandwich is appropriate, but maybe that, that center piece of the sandwich is the meat or the tofu and then you have two buns, right? And so that, that meat and tofu, or tofu, is a lot of mindset training. And we basically go to each of the clinics and train all the physicians, all the nutritionists, everyone, uh, the MAs, on mindset training on how to use food as medicine in a 15-minute visit. Most of us got zero training. And I trained over 20 years ago, and got zero training at Stanford on how to use food as medicine in a 15-minute visit beyond biochemistry. When I talk to residents now, young residents now, similar story. They, they don't know how to use food in an effective way. And yet we know that chronic disease is a critical piece to the story and that food set plays a central role. So we actually do training for all the staff to get their mindset ready on uh, how to use food in a clinical environment. So that's part one, but part two, is the is are the buns and the first bun is what we call a food pharmacy and so this food pharmacy is attaching a farm to the clinic essentially not physically but essentially saying that once we train the staff with the on the tofu and the and the burger on how to use food as medicine how to screen for food insecurity how to actually prescribe food as medicine how to prescribe support services you have to deliver and you actually have to have an intervention in place. And so that first bun is our food pharmacy. And we source food from a farm. This farm provides locally grown, regeneratively grown food that's medicinal in a sense for our patients. So that farm in this COVID moment delivers the food to each patient who gets a prescription, delivers the food weekly for 16 weeks. So it's highly, it, there's no, no loss of redemption. People are getting the food. It's delivering to their doorstep. So we also optimize CalFresh and enrollment because that's longer-term food insecurity, dealing with long-term food insecurity. 
So that's one piece of the structure, the infrastructure, is that bun. The follow, the underneath it is the other part of the bun, and that's our behavioral, what we call a behavioral pharmacy group medical visit. And this is where we bring patients of multiple medical conditions. It's transdiagnostic, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, whatever that's diet sensitive, as well as depression and mental health issues all together in one group. They learn from each other. They have a provider in the room. They work with our partner called Open Source Wellness. And it's all this interactive work that amplifies the behavioral effect of their behaviors on food. So you, the first part is the food. The second part is all of the learning and the wraparound that happens. The beauty of this model, we feel, is that it's a spread and depth model. You have some patients that can come to the group medical visits on a weekly basis for 16 weeks. That's our intervention. But some patients can't come to the group. And uh, they are working or they're not, but, but they can still be prescribed the food. The people who come to the group get food as well, delivered to their home, but they get all this behavioral support. So that sandwich is our model that we're building across each of the clinics and we're rolling it out. If I were to step back from the sandwich and then I'm gonna complete my remarks and have Jessica talk about some of the operations and just the partnership. If I were to complete the sandwich, the question is why are we building the sandwich, right? What's the purpose of this? Well, we're really trying to do two things, three really. We are trying to address social determinants of health, upstream issues like food insecurity and social isolation and transportation insecurity, something that has been very elusive for health centers to do and to operationalize in clinic settings. We're addressing that piece and what clinics and health centers do a lot, which is chronic disease management. We bring those together and we provide an effective intervention and package. I will say though, that we like to actually push the health centers and our medical teams to say, we're not only treating and preventing chronic disease, but we are actually reversing chronic disease. And I'll share some stories and anecdotes as to how we're actually doing that. So that's the why. We shared the model, the what, and then the question is what else are we doing with this model? And what I wanna share with you is the, this, um, this value proposition. Imagine the day that each of you go to your clinic doctor or your nurse practitioner, and they prescribe to you what we're calling medically supportive foods, this regeneratively grown food, this organic food, if you will, to treat your chronic condition or to help you with your food insecurity. And imagine that your health plan covers that. Just like your health plan covers your blood pressure medicines, just like your health plan covers your antibiotics, now it's actually covering this major uh, impact on people's lives and physiology and pathophysiology of medicinally grown food. So that is the policy work that we're doing and we put forth bills and uh, working on, on CalAIM restructuring to include this element so that we can structurally make this available across the state. But we're, we're certainly uh, focused right now in Alameda County. Yeah, I think we can go over to Jessica now. Uh, if you could tell us how your health center is, in, is involved and what that process and workflows look like, I think that would be really helpful for folks on the call. Sure. So good morning, everyone. So Tiberia Vasquez Health Center was uh, graciously um, blessed with this offering, and we went ahead and piloted FAM. We started, um, I want to say the conversation started last August or September. And we got our whole team at our San Leandro site trained, um, including MAs, including eligibility, including front desk and providers. 
and actually within FAM, we call them prescribers because we also have like our RD um, is prescribing as well as our um, Dr. Fell, who is our IBH director of IBH. And so we went through um, training of our FAM programs um, for a few months, you know, as being part of a clinic that having uh, provider time is very, very limited in terms of training. Um, so it did take a bit of time, but we kicked off January 27th, so a little over a year ago at our San Leandro site. And the whole team was so excited uh, to do this. Definitely the workflow that we started implementing. I'm not sure how many of you guys are on Epic, but within Epic, we have uh, hunger vital sign questions within there. It's within the SDOH um, component, and there are two questions. The hunger vital sign identifies households as being at risk for food insecurity if they answer that either or both of the following two statements is often true or sometimes true versus never true. The first statement is, within the past 12 months, we worried whether our food would run out before we got money to buy more. The second statement is, within the past 12 months, the food we bought just didn't last and we didn't have money to get more. And these are questions that we had our front desk. We had them laminated. We had our front desk offer as soon as the patient walked in and checked in for a medical appointment. And then the MAs went ahead and as they walked into the room, went ahead and started that dialogue with the patient. Um, and that information was then added into Epic. And from there, we could then, um, it, it was flagged for the provider to go ahead and if they were positive for food um, insecurity signs, the provider might be offering this up as an opportunity. The MA was just one section of that, right? Because we have some providers without an MA. So we had different providers offering up the FAN program. And from there, it was an internal referral, not only to CalFresh um, and food pharmacy, but also the, um, the staff would then uh, refer to our group medical visits. And yeah, we work very closely with Dig Deep Farms. We uh, developed a report that is then shared with on a weekly basis to the farm, as well as a weekly basis to OSW. And we follow up with the patient and get them in for that either GMB and or food uh, prescription to the farm. Now we know we started January 27th and right in the middle of that or a few months later, six weeks later, uh, the pandemic hit. So what we're doing now, um, the Dig Deep Farms is delivering or door dashing the fruits and vegetables to the, um, to the patients, but previously it was inside of our clinic and was a great sell point as you walked in. There it was. Um, it, it was amazing. We even had staff purchasing from there after the patients, after a certain amount of time in the day, staff could purchase produce. So it's just been an awesome, awesome program and offering for our patients and our community. Here's a question from Ritter Center. So we um, have a pantry that used to operate five days a week pre-COVID um, pantry came before our medical clinic and it's not integrated with our medical clinic. What advice would you have uh, for me or for my organization in order to integrate 
full pharmacy with, with the clinic. Integration is a really uh, important step, right? And I, I would say this because I think what this work is trying to do is cross silos and to work across the clinic and kind of the population health or the outreach teams. And so there needs to be intentionality and leadership visioning and, and understanding that we are trying to bring this together so that at the point of care at the clinic, we can optimize the effect of the clinicians. And so if you don't, if it's always separate, because I've been in many health centers where you have a whole population health team or a whole outreach team doing the work, but the clinicians have no view of what's actually going on, then it's hard for them to actually work in teams. And so bringing, making the leadership case that this is important for integration, especially during COVID, when food insecurity is highlighted even more is really important. And part of it then is to say, how do you actually build this into the workflow? And so you can't, I, I submit that, yeah, in part of integration, it has to, you have to make it easy for everybody who's involved. If it's an offshoot or on the side, then it's the goodwill of the great champions that do it, but it's not, it's not systemic and it doesn't stay. And so there's kind of a two approach, a strategy, I, I would say, Samson, there's kind of the build it, so you can create an incubator and hopefully get some support from leadership and then demonstrate it. That's one strategy. And the other one is to go straight to leadership and say, the time is now. How do we actually build this out uh, or at least give us the blessings to do this? And then we, we can begin the detailed operations of screening, number one, so that every clinician and every MA, every behavioral health person is screening. But if you screen, you have to have an intervention or it makes the case a lot easier because I've been in many situations where we mandate screening and the clinicians are like, great, I've screened for domestic violence or for food insecurity for whatever, but I have, what do I offer now? Besides my ability to talk and comfort, is there anything else? So ensuring that there's interventions or supports in place and then the workflow, the tie line between the screening and the intervention. That would just be one example. I don't know if Jessica, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, just to add, our food is medicine program is just at one of our sites, but we did implement the screening to all of our sites. And then the additional sites, that's where I'm pulling um, those patients who are positive for one or more of those questions. That's who I'm outreaching to for our monthly food distribution, like drive-through programs at our other sites and any other food insecurity program. That's who I'm outreaching to. And when grants come down, we automatically know X, you know, a percentage of our population that is in need and having food challenges. So, uh, and it's very, I mean, according to screenings, it's very simple, two questions. I can, I can send it to the group, but, um, and of course we've translated it and whatnot, but it's been pretty successful and really adapted well within our care team. And the screening tool, is it uh, built in into your EHR system? It is, it is. It's a, it's nationally validated tool it's called the hunger vital sign and Epic, if you use Epic has built it in. And if you're still not next gen, we built it in, in next gen before. If your health center is using ECW, note that vital hunger signs is not currently built in. To have this added, you might need to speak to ECW directly about a customization. 
Communicare Health Centers has been piloting this hunger tool with paraprofessional diabetes educators for a couple months now, in the hopes of someday implementing the tool organization-wide. A question came up about making the staff training for food as medicine work available outside of Alameda County. Here's Dr. Chen. Great question, Edie, and great to see you again. I remember you visiting our health center back when I was at Hayward Wellness. So um, appreciate the question. We, we've been building this curriculum uh, since the days at Hayward, actually. So myself and a chef MD back in Hayward would do it and have another chef MD right now, Dr. Steinberg. And so we continue to refine the um, the actual training of the clinicians on the mindset. So that's a body of work. That's about eight hours worth of training. And then we also have workflow training that is customized for each clinic. Even though we're all on OCHIN, each clinic has their particularities, their staffing structure. And so that training is not necessarily as generalizable. Um, and it's, it's, it's really kind of partnering with us to figure out how to best do it. The eight hours of content is stuff that we could eventually, you know, we'll, we'll probably share in some way or, or the other. Um, I do think that we are, that we're getting a lot of requests and inquiries about this work and how to spread it to other counties. And we're working within the confines of government and our supervisors, the people who run the county, uh, really want to see this grow, not only inside Alameda County, but across the state and potentially nationally. Uh, and the work, if any of you are involved in policy, it, that food is, is, working, is moving in that space now. The integration of food systems and health systems are coming together. For those of you who are out in more ag areas, there's an important contribution to make, which is to really continue to raise the flag of where do we get the food? How is this sourced? On whose land is this? Like we have a whole perspective on land as well. Um, given that you know most of us are sitting on indigenous land uh, and you know there's been histories of problems around how we manage land and take and who, who who owns the land if you will or not even owning it that's the right term but that is a huge contribution that the folks who are doing and have connections to more ag can make to this is to say okay great that food systems and health systems are coming together but let's talk about sourcing and what's the importance the impact on the environment as well. I mean, there's a huge piece here. So there's all these issues around health equity, around climate, that can all be at this nexus point of where food, health, and land and agriculture come together. We need the folks in agriculture to really step up and to connect and partner with us in this space to make the push that we don't want the we don't want to we want we don't want the cheapest food. Though that makes sense for underserved patients, it creates diabetes hypertension, all these issues downstream that we, we end up having to pay for. So we really want to invest up front in the foods that are helpful. And anyways, I'm going off on a tangent, Edie, but uh, you got me going. And I'm seeing other people snap. So uh, yes, that there are tools. I think we are figuring out how we're going to scale and spread that. Uh, and I think it's partly working those pieces out. Like how do we, how do we find time in our team schedule to actually go out to other teams and, and do these trainings? Here's Ritter Center again. Jessica, can you talk about uh, the food pharmacy staffing with uh, Dr. Staff? So when it was in the clinic, actually the farm um, brought their own staff. So that was 
outstanding. We just needed space within our lobby, which we were welcome to provide. And we, um, and they actually even provided the, the banner, the bilingual banner, even, even though it was definitely self-explanatory what it was <laughs> there. Um, but it was just wonderful. It's funny, at the beginning, we, we had some flyers around, right, promoting the program. But really, when you walked into the clinic, I mean, you can see, you can smell, you could, you know, just possibly touch, you know, the veggies right then and there. But then when the pandemic hit and we took it outside of our clinic and they began delivering it, that's when we had to, you know, with our patients and our staff, just continually bring our FAM program top of mind with our team. Because as all of you guys know, when the pandemic hits, like, oh my goodness, you know, launching telemedicine, at least our clinic, you know, had nothing of that sort before. And so it was just, um, all of all of those things and then having fam compete with it um but we definitely see it um as a program that is it's just such a great gift for our patients so we've been trying to keep it top of mind in different innovative ways for our providers as well dr chen has been great in retraining uh, maybe providers um, just having a refresher quick half an hour with um, some of our adult providers or maybe a new provider coming on board being able to do that um, and having different dashboards for our team having friendly competitions who's referring how many patients to the program that sort of thing. And just one comment, I know that uh, Jessica was saying a DoorDash, we're not using DoorDash, but we right. it's essentially a door, it's like an Amazon for the public. We our county has built an infrastructure around 11 refrigerated vans and we deliver 600 deliveries a week now across the county weekly to homes of folks who you know in the in the pandemic would have a hard time getting this i know when we were in hayward building out the uh the group visits for uh food pharmacy i know we i think there was a registered dietitian in place is that what you recommend for you know FQIC to have as far as staffing? Yeah, I think there's a number of ways to do it. We usually recommend a provider paired with an RD, a registered dietitian, um, and then an MA in terms of staffing from the clinic. And then the um, behavioral pharmacy of the, by our open source wellness team, OSW, they provide the health coaches and the movement coach and all of that. And so it's a combination of both teams so whichever health center they bring, the health center brings an RD and MA and a provider. Sometimes we don't have an RD, right? Or there's just limited RD. I think the, the piece that was really important is once you grow the number of patients you see beyond a certain amount, you need another body to help with documenting. So when I, right now, if I'm at Tiburcio and I see 15 or 14, I can do it. But once it goes beyond that, it's super helpful to have another person just because this is all EHR based, it's still not it still takes a lot of time to document and that's becomes the limiting factor. So if you can kind of staff up with an RD that's kind of aligned on food, then it can potentially make it easier because you can maybe see more patients at, at, at a marginal cost. A big thank you to today's presenter, participants, and our listeners. I'm your host, Kelly Bond, and we'll see you next time in the QI chat room. Thank you.